Hey there, it's Ellen Weatherford. And Christian Weatherford. And we're here with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast, where this week we're hearing from y'all. This isn't about us. This is about you, dear listener. Yes. And all of the nice little things y'all sent us in our digital mailbag. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to dig into some of these. It's a great uh, opportunity to get to hear from y'all. Make this a real two-way conversation, as podcasting so seldom is. <laughs> that being said, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I highly advise selecting a different episode, because this is not our usual content. Uh, we're, we're hearing from our listeners and we're going to talk about some of the stuff we've experienced outside of the podcast over the last few years. So, uh, if you're here for animal facts, this is unfortunately going to be animal fact light, but, yeah. uh, but it is, but not love, none, not none, <laughs> but it is love heavy. Yes. And that is because this is part of the max fun drive. When this episode is going up, we are in week two of the two week annual max fun drive which is the annual time of year where we ask for your support because we are part of the maximum fun network which is a network of podcasts that are owned by the artists who make them and financially supported by the audience who enjoys them so what this means is that me and christian have the freedom to make this show however we want to make it and it belongs to nobody but us. So uh, you don't have to worry about a big corporation looking at their profit spreadsheet and deciding to shut us down. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. You're stuck with us, unfortunately. Animals out. NFTs in. No. <laughs> <laughs> More like out FTs. Oh. newts frogs and toads baby um but it also means that we get to continue providing this content for anybody who wants to listen to it regardless of their means because of the people who do provide what they can so we can make this show free and available to anybody because it is supported by people who choose to do so Um, So because of the people who give to us, we are putting this free, approachable, and reliable science communication out there into the world, which I think is a growing need. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) While I'm sure, you know, animal facts is low on the list of uh, dire uh, science communication emergencies, still, you know, we talk about environmental science and climate and things like that that are really important for people to know about. True. It's, uh, it overlaps with parts of science that do have bigger problems with misinformation today. Yes, some of this stuff gets into urgent territory, and uh, I think it's important for people to hear it regardless of your means to do so. You know, a lot of pay- like research papers are behind paywalls, and so I think that this is a valuable resource to a lot of people out there, and it is supported by people for whom it is comfortably within their means. So if you're hearing this and you're wondering, okay, that's cool and all, but what can I as an individual get out of supporting Maximum Fun other than being a part of bringing this science communication project into the world. Stay tuned, because later in the episode, I'm going to explain how we're saying thank you with things like bonus content and actual physical gifts that you can receive in the mail uh, for supporting the show. Um, I will even drop a clip from this year's bonus episode to give you a little sneak peek. So just hang out with us for this time, and uh, I will get into the details of the MaxFun Drive later in the episode. In the meantime, you can head over to MaximumFun.org slash join to get involved. But first, the episode. 
Yes. This week, instead of reviewing animals, we're opening up our mailbox and we're hearing from y'all. You sent in questions, comments, and stories, and we are here to share them. In the interest of time, some submissions may not be read in their entirety. We may need to read excerpts from some things, depending on how long we run. But I promise we will at least get to all of them. I promise. Yes. Okay. So first up, first item from our mailbox was an early submission. Quick on the send button. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to read this one? Or sure. Okay. Go ahead. Take it away, Christian. Peyton Crispity Bits Kringle sends us, Hey, Ellen and Christian, my big question is, Where has the podcast taken you that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten the chance to visit? Or what animals have you been able to see that you wouldn't have had the attention drawn to, if not for a guest on an episode? We actually just got back from a trip last week where we went to Seattle. And while we were in Seattle, we had a lot of fun exploring that area. But one of the days that we were in Seattle, we went up to Vancouver in Canada. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, we met up with uh, Sophia Osborne, who is one of the hosts of Beyond Blathers, who uh, one of their hosts has been on our show before. We've talked about them many times. Actually, Sophia sent in um, a voice clip for for our Sunfish episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you've heard her voice on this podcast before. I'm just I've been on their show. We're buddies. And while we were there, you know, we, we met up with her and she told us about and walked us to the Beattie Biodiversity Museum, Mm -hmm. which otherwise I definitely would not have thought to visit or known about at all. It's true, yeah. We definitely only went there because she told us to go there. And I'm so glad we did because that was an extremely cool experience. It was. Yeah, we saw a blue whale skeleton, a real blue whale skeleton. Well, for the most part. Yeah, most of it is real. (laughs) (laughs) We got to see an interesting video on the making of... (laughs) It seems like a logistical nightmare to get this blue whale skeleton inside of this museum. (laughs) Yes, a harrowing story. Yeah, I'm just really glad they got that smell out eventually. Yeah, yeah, good on them. (laughs) But it is mostly, like, it is a research museum, so we got to see tons of, like, research specimens and animals that were not just taxidermy for display, but more for, like research purposes so it felt like a real behind the scenes look at what like this type of like specimen research looks like Mm -hmm. which was just a really cool experience um and also you get to see specimens of animals that can't be kept alive in captivity you know so we get to see things like deep sea creatures oh yeah fossils and all sorts of really amazing stuff so that was a really cool experience that we had that definitely like connecting with sophia through podcasting led us to this cool place that's true yeah Also, last year, uh, we visited Monterey Bay in California Mm -hmm. to go to the aquarium, which I don't think we would have thought to visit had it not been for like our years citing them on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Although the second, uh, I guess the the Finding Dory movie probably helped a lot with that too, I think. It did, but I still don't think it would have been enough to really like get us to fully commit to traveling across the country with our children. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) To visit it, which I, I mean, that whole trip was really kind of life trajectory altering. So I'm, I'm really yes. glad that we did that. Um, that was really, really cool. I don't think we would have done that had it not been for doing this podcast. So mm-hmm. also more recently, a couple months ago, I met up with Rosemary Moscow, former guest on the podcast. Also, many people probably know her work from Bird and Moon, the web comics. Um, she was uh, nearby 
visiting family and I met up with her at Blue Spring State Park outside of Orlando, Florida, where uh, she took me walking down a trail that she's been down quite a few times before, which I knew it was there, but I probably wouldn't have actually gone as far down that trail as I did with her Mm -hmm. because she knew of some spots where there were some really interesting carnivorous plants, which I for sure would not have clocked had she not specifically pointed them out to me. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so just getting to meet Rosemary Moscow was a really exciting thing for me, but also like she took me to a place I probably wouldn't have appreciated like without like the context of like knowing what I know now about it and, and showing me carnivorous plants that I definitely would have noticed. So nice. Yeah. As far as an animal, I've had my attention drawn to by a guest. Um, I, this isn't like a seeing them in person sort of thing, but former guest Kirsten Angusett sent me in the mail a piece of muskox fur. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way I ever would have been able to put my hand on muskox wool Mm -hmm. had it not been um, for getting to know Kirsten and talking about muskox on that episode together. That's awesome. Yeah, I cherish that. I cherish my piece of muskox fur. (laughs) So yeah, we've had a lot of really amazing experiences and connected with a lot of really cool people through doing this podcast. Very cool. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Not as much, of course, since I'm not on most guest episodes. I think I'm maybe at three for all time. You were in some of the really early guest episodes, yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, I do think more about animals that we do actually come across. Maybe not not ones we covered, but, you know, having looked at so much information about other animals, a lot of that can be translated to different animals. Right. Uh, Particularly, I I found a number of zoo care management guides for animals. And anytime I go to a zoo aquarium, I I will sometimes have that in the back of my mind. Like, oh, man, how do they keep this thing from crawling out? (laughs) 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 What kind of lockdown do they have to do when it happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it has definitely enhanced the zoo going yes. experience <laughs> uh so yeah it gives me maybe a an interesting thought process about the animals i do come across yeah like a deeper appreciation yeah or like something that i might like i might see like a bug or something that i come across where ordinarily i would have had no context whatsoever for what that thing is but like like last week i was sitting in the park and a, a little plant hopper hopped on me and mm. I, I don't because we uh, we talked about what plant hoppers are during the lanternfly episode, and I knew what a plant hopper was. Ah. So I was like, oh, that's what this little guy is. Nice, yeah. So we definitely have has enhanced our understanding of the world around us, which is very cool. Mm. I got a real like appreciation for that when uh, Sophie Wolven was in town this weekend, and we got to go out into uh, an ecological preserve near Jacksonville. And getting to, like, share with somebody who's not familiar with the ecosystem of our area, mm-hmm. getting to, like, share everything that I do know about our ecosystem was I, – I definitely came away from that, like, oh, yeah, like, I have learned a lot yeah. over the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Thank you, friend. Mm-hmm. The next item from our mailbox comes from Nicole Tuttle of the Tuttle family. And uh, Nicole says, we are newish listeners to your podcast and just absolutely love it. I have two daughters, Nora and Alice, age eight and four. Hi, Nora and Alice. Hello. Thanks for listening. (laughs) They're crazy about animals and have learned so much from the show. What I love, good mix of the creatures we know and ones we have never heard of. The energy of the hosts and guests is contagious. It really comes through in the overall show vibe. It keeps us engaged and wanting to know more and hearing how the specialists got their start and the education needed. This podcast has really inspired my older daughter to think about her own future and the path she wants to take. 
Yay, science. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. It was a conscious choice early on when we made the podcast to keep things family friendly and safe for work and not include profanity so that like families could feel like they could listen along with mm-hmm. their kids. And I'm really glad we did that because, uh, you know, some of the interactions we've had with our younger listeners have been just delightful and charming. So I'm (laughs) so happy to have y'all along with us. Um, I did really want to kind of lean into, first of all, like the mix of creatures we know and things we've never heard of. That's really important to us. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I feel like the more charismatic animals, people are probably more likely to already know a lot about them. So I feel like, what can I bring? (laughs) It's it's harder to find things that people won't already know about them. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I like to mix it together. It'd be like one thing that's really charismatic that people have probably heard of with one thing that maybe has totally flown under your radar your whole life. And a benefit of the podcast medium is that we don't require lots of visual material on the animals we talk about. Visual materials can be hard to come by for some Mm -hmm. of these critters. (laughs) Which maybe limit them from being talked about on TV shows or movies and that kind of thing. Right, yeah. Because if if there's not a lot of visuals to provide, Mm -hmm. then they might not be so inclined to like dedicate an entire half hour segment to them. Whereas we can (laughs) talk about them all day long. Yes. (laughs) That's true. But I I also wanted to, to touch on like hearing how experts got their start and Mm -hmm. like the education, like their educational journey. Sometimes like when guests are talking, they feel like that stuff's boring. And I always try to reassure them. I'm like, no, people want to know this stuff. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. people that are listening that are like, how do I get to work doing this stuff? Like how do I get into conservation work or how do I get into work with wildlife? Like, that's valuable information to know yeah. like what that career path actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you got your start in a different science and then got into, or maybe you didn't get your start in science at all. And maybe you got into like environmental or naturalist work through some other path. Like, I think that's really valuable for people to know that like, there's not just one path to get into working with nature and wildlife. Like you can come into it from a lot of different angles, especially for people for whom an academic path is not incredibly viable. <laughs> Not everybody has the resources and means to kind of uh, go through sort of STEM academia, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, that gets harder and harder as time goes by, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Secondary education gets more and more inaccessible. Uh, I think it's good for people to know that that's not the only way. Right. So thank you for thank you for saying that, Nicole. I was I I like to kind of get into why we say the things we say on our podcast, and I'm glad to know that it's resonating with you and your family. Yes, very much. You want to do the next one? Yes, Alina Vikstrom, she her writes. Hi, Ellen and Christian, new listener from Sweden here. Talk, huh? Talk. Let's thank you. In, oh, in okay. Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> I started listening to your podcast about a month ago and absolutely adore it. I've learned so much and are having so much fun getting to take part in your conversations and those of all the passionate guests you have on your show. Working my way through the backlog now, about a third of the way through. My partner and I both love sharing little facts and fun things we've learned with each other, but since they are a biologist, they tend to be the ones sitting on the animal facts, while I've been the one with historical trivia. Mm. Not anymore. I finally get to see the absolute fascination in their eyes as I share the animal facts I've learned from you guys. Most recently, the joys and horrors of the cookie cutter shark. Yay. (laughs) She didn't say that. I did. (laughs) And Charles Darwin's questionable iguana interactions. (laughs) After listening to the jumping spider episode, I'm also 100% on board with why my partner dreams of one day having one as a pet. Love the show. Looking forward to all the cool facts to come. I love this. Yes. I love... 
turning the tables. Now I have the animal facts. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> which, which I love historical fun facts, too. I mean, we try to pepper those in sometimes in our in Yeah, our there's a surprising overlap there sometimes <laughs> where, you know, animals have a surprising role in human history. See, emu war. Probably one of my favorite moments in animal history. <laughs> I enjoy people, like, connecting with each other. I mean, I feel like sharing tidbits of information is a very valid love language. Yes. <laughs> I feel like info dumping is kind of a, a way that I express because I'm like, I care about this thing. Mm-hmm. I want you to know about this thing I care about. <laughs> yeah, you'll see people talk about this all the time where, you know, one of the best way to see your partner's excitement is just to ask them to talk about something they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we do a little bit every mm. <laughs> every two weeks on the show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is a it is a great way to connect not just with nature, not just with the content, but also with people, like with the people that are important to you. Yes. Especially since you and I have been married for now four years and been very good friends and known each other for much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's only so many times you can talk about your day when it's been the same day over and over again. Oh, yeah. Like you got to bring something new conversationally to the table, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's emu wars. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, snails it's, not. <laughs> I mean, it's literally sometimes like, wake up, babe. New thylacine paper just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Did I wake you up for that? <laughs> no. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> Because that actually happened yes, yes. <laughs> last week. <laughs> Meme format and all that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I updated last week's episode because the day before that episode dropped, a new paper just <laughs> completely like upending the timeline of thylacine extinction yeah. dropped like less than 24 hours before. <laughs> yeah. That so, episode. you know, it helps that the passion is in a, a subject that is, you know, far from being done and no new stuff is coming out on. Right. So. Yeah. There's always stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to like... I don't know, always have something new and exciting to talk about. Next up is from Casey Black. She, her. And Casey writes, I hope that you're doing well today. We are. Thank you. (laughs) Since you asked for listener stories about how your podcast has had an impact on us listeners, I thought I would share the impact just the zoo of us has had in my life. This past fall, I began a graduate program in archaeology and moved across the country from Texas to Wyoming by myself. This has been a huge adjustment for me, and I've dealt with a lot of feelings of imposter syndrome and doubt, as well as just general loneliness. I had started listening to Just the Zoo of Us this last June and immediately fell in love with your podcast. I wanted to pursue animal conservation when I was younger and have always partially regretted not following that path. Once I moved, I began listening to Just the Zoo of Us constantly. It became one of my favorite parts of the day, and listening while working in the lab or driving really helped me feel less lonely. When he started bringing in experts who had anthropological training, like Emily Bell, I realized that I don't have to choose between pursuing conservation and archaeology. I have now completely changed my research plans for my master's and PhD and intend to study caribou conservation by Athabascan tribes in Alaska in the archaeological record and modern day. My career goals are now to apply archaeological research about human-animal relations in the past to modern wildlife conservation, and I've never felt more excited about my academic future. I've been wanting to let you and Christian know the impact you've had on my life for a while now, but I really just want to thank you. This podcast means so much to me and to many other people, and your dedication to creating it is just amazing and has had a serious impact in people's lives. Please keep doing what you're doing, and I can't wait to keep listening. 
That's so nice. I love that. Isn't that just amazing? Yeah. Because we did talk a lot about caribou conservation with um, Olivia de Bercier, who is a who studied environmental mm-hmm. science and, and climate science, and and that was a big thing we talked about was how like the indigenous land management, like and how that changed over time, uh, impacted like caribou populations, yeah. and and that's something I think we try to talk about a lot on this show is the constant ways that human populations and non-human populations are influencing each other mm-hmm. i mean that is something that i just personally find really interesting so i talk about it on the show and i'm just really glad that like that translated into somebody else finding that interesting enough to dedicating you know an entire academic like research career to it right and you know that whole struggle of keeping your passions and interests alive mm. in addition to you know the work job mm-hmm. <laughs> is very relatable for me at least. Right. Um, so it's, it's awesome to hear, you know, when someone is able to, you know, keep that up like as a side thing or even better when it's, you know, mm-hmm. part of your, your main gig. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. If you can turn your passion into your career, that is kind of the ideal, isn't it? It can be. So I'm told. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but also like those feelings of like imposter syndrome and loneliness, those are very common, you know, from the, the scientists and academics that I'm connected with, those are extremely common mm. feelings, you know? And so I, I think like a sense of community from like hearing from the other experts that I've had on the show, right? Might be mm-hmm. echoing a lot of the same sentiments. It can feel a lot less lonely when you know other people are going through it too. Yeah. The thing that that really makes me happy is just knowing that like there's people doing good work out there, like really important and needed work in like studying conservation as it overlaps with human behavior. That is really important work that needs to be done. And I'm glad that more people are doing it Mm -hmm. because of something that we've done. That just that feels really, really good and validating. For sure. Uh, You want to read the next one? Yes. It is a question and it is from Ella, the snake loving kid. Ella writes... Do you think you will ever become a full-time podcaster and be able to quit your day job and still support your family? So, for me, no. No, definitely not. (laughs) Uh, I'll leave it at that, but for you... (laughs) Well, podcasting is not exactly an extremely lucrative endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, It is very passion-driven. And people who do it, do it because they love it. You don't do it because you want to make a ton of money. You do it because that is your purpose I sure think. and it doesn't help that at this point in my life i'm going on 10 years in my professional career in it mm-hmm. so and you're quite good at it <laughs> and extremely valuable in that market <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so i i think you would have to be an extremely heavy hitter to be replacing your day job <laughs> sure. uh with with podcasting money i however work in nonprofit, which is <laughs> a considerably less lucrative field but also yet another passion-driven field mm-hmm. um but while i don't necessarily think that like full-time podcaster is a long-term like goal or anything because I love my job. I really love the place that I work at and I love what I do there. Um, I work at a queer youth social services agency, but I have actually been able to go down to part-time at my job and, you know, work fewer hours at my day job and more hours podcasting because of support from the maximum fund members mm-hmm. um never would have been able to do that without maximum fun uh but from the the members that have signed up to support us and from all the new people that have found us and supported us because of 
the maximum fund network and their model. Because of that, I have actually been able to work less at my day job and spend more time dedicated to making the podcast and bringing you, you know, good content every week. And while also taking care of my family. Yes. uh, And having time to, you know, clean the house and (laughs) do all of the things that still need to be done. Uh, I'm not having to juggle, you know, 40 hours a week at work and also doing all the work that I do podcasting because mm. um I know that the end result, the what what makes it to your ears is, you know, what a- an average of 45 minutes of content per week, but behind the scenes that represents many many hours of work every week. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that is for those unaware, that is all Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> you do your research and you do your prep and Yes, and speak, of course, but that's it. There is also something to be said for the fact that you do also watch the kids while I'm recording with guests and you know, even the things that I am doing for the podcast, that means that something that means I'm not doing something that you have to do. So yeah, I think so. you know, together <laughs> we're able to produce this podcast. <laughs> Um, there's a, don't, don't undervalue domestic labor. Sure. Taking care of the kids while I'm recording with guests is an extremely valuable, uh, thing. And that is actually a excellent transition into a little break to talk more about the Max Fund Drive. Like I mentioned, we're doing bonus content and gifts. So starting at $5 a month, you get access to the Maximum Fund bonus content library. This is like not just our content and not just this year's content, but every bonus content ever made for the network for all of their shows. It's over 500 hours of exclusive content for us and the other shows like, you know, The Adventure Zone and Judge John Hodgman and all of the other shows you might listen to, it's all on there. And that's just at the $5 a month level. You get all of that. Our bonus content this year I'm really excited about. It is a Fakemon lab where Christian and I each came up with ideas for our own Pokemon designs and talked about what they would look like and how they would play out in the game. We had a lot of fun with that. So that's our bonus content this year. At the next level up at $10 a month, you get to pick one of 37 restickable stickers with a custom design for every single show on the network. These mm-hmm. are designed by artist Olivia fields who absolutely knocked it out of the park just completely crushed it with the designs this year ours is charles darwin uh slam dunking a marine iguana absolutely (laughs) thrilling uh and it is an incredible artwork too like it's exactly what i was envisioning uh with like this idea for the design and couldn't be better i very much enjoyed the early uh sketches of it too because Mm -hmm. of the way Charles Darwin looks. Yes. It, it it looked very much like an Italian Renaissance sketch, <laughs> <laughs> but of Charles Darwin dunking an iguana. It's it's, it's NBA style. <laughs> like it looks like like an NBA poster. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's extremely good. So uh, there are also higher levels of support if you can swing them, including the twenty dollar a month level, at which you get a culinary kit that includes a special seasoning blend that we've used. I should say you've used for quite a few of our dinners now at this point. Yeah, uh, personally have used it on pork and chicken. Very good on those. Both times, great, mm-hmm. delicious. 
Christian's the cook of the house. So <laughs> I have to defer to you for <laughs> most culinary uh, opinions. It is quite tasty, yes. It is very good. Uh, but also at that level, you get a copy of the Max Fun Family Cookbook for this year, mm-hmm. which contains recipes that were all submitted by Maximum Fun hosts, including me. I sent in my grandmother's very own from scratch banana pudding recipe that has, holds great significance to me personally it was a childhood staple so uh if you want to make banana pudding the way it exists in my childhood memories that's in there there's also a really cute illustration of the banana pudding oh, in really? it's very cute <laughs> i gave a copy to my grandmother and she's thrilled with it she's very <laughs> excited Um, At higher levels, you get things like a very beautiful apron that has an incredible Maximum Yum logo on it. That's a very high quality apron that Mm -hmm. we're big fans of. Uh, We also have little personal like show goals. So if we we've already reached our 100 goal where we got 100 new upgrading and boosting members, which means that I will be drawing and releasing uh, little digital emojis that you can either use in your Discord server or print out as stickers, anything like that that you'd like to do. So that's already unlocked. The next one is 300. If we reach 300 new upgrading or boosting members by this Friday, we will host a nature documentary watch party on Discord, where I think what we're going to watch is the Cane Toad uh, documentary oh, from the good. 80s. Um, big thrilled that's it's an incredible (laughs) masterpiece work of art uh i think y'all are gonna love it so um all of this is of course on top of supporting our show and keeping it thriving and allowing us to thrive while making it Mm -hmm. so uh if you want to be a part of making this show happen head over to maximumfun.org slash join Okay, so this next submission I wanted to read because it's something we kind of just talked about. Um, Anne Grimm sent in an email and said, I'm not sure if you've answered this before, but since you're always making references to Pokemon, is there any animal you would love to see represented as a Pokemon? If so, what animal and what type or types do you think it would be? As an end note, my favorite Pokemon is Shuckle. Mm. (laughs) Two out of 10 effectiveness, five out of 10 ingenuity, 10 out of 10 aesthetics. I love Shuckle. Shuckle is a delightful just little guy. I love him. He's great. <laughs> I learned recently that um, Shuckle is based on like a type of slime mold that lives in rocks. Oh. Yeah, that's why Shuckle is like that. Okay. I think at one point I guessed it might have been a like a an aquatic worm of some sort that I lives see in coral. That. Yeah, apparently it's um it's like a type of slime mold. Oh. Yeah, that like snakes its way through rocks and neat. Yeah, completely flew way over my head as through my entire childhood. But that's basically the entire thesis of our Boko episode, of that's our true. bonus content yes. episode. Well, yeah. Yeah, like animals we <laughs> hadn't seen. Well, except for you had one that's not an animal. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But, um, uh, you know, we were thinking of animals that hadn't been made into Pokemon yet, or at least animal concepts that mm-hmm. hadn't been worked into into Pokemon yet. And we came up with three each. So I did three and you did three uh, Pokemon concepts. But since Anne did specifically ask, I will drop right here a clip of one of the Pokemon from that episode as a little teaser. So my first one is a flying whale shark Pokemon. Okay, a flying whale shark. Yes. Okay, why is it flying? So typing flying water, of course. Yeah, that type type combo has never been done before. Never. (laughs) (laughs) That was sarcasm for people unfamiliar. (laughs) It's a fairly common typing, but the problem is that it has a times four weakness to electric type attacks. Mm, Yeah. So big, 
giant weak spot there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. So I want, with this one, I'm thinking of a lighter than air type creature. So really? um, think floating wind turbine from Big Hero 6 or other kind of science fiction works. It's like a blimp sort yeah. of thing? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's reminding me of Wailord a little bit. Well, or it is only in the ocean, though. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is like all over the place. This is in the air specifically. Oh, wow. So my idea is that it filter feeds just like a normal whale shark does in the water, but mm-hmm. instead it filter feeds on bugs <gasps> and flying in the air. That's cool. Yes. What is the... So the mechanism of its flight is sort of its... It's just lighter than air, and okay. it's moving along through the air, wh- whipping its tail around, basically. Oh, like a little propeller sort of yes. thing, but it's propelling it through the air instead of the water. Yes. How charming. <laughs> Can you imagine being on the ground, and then like a giant shadow passes over you, and you look up, and it's this huge whale shark passing over you? So, and I was thinking, it gets water by doing this filter feeding through rain clouds. <gasps> Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> and then, you know, with this coloration we see with ocean animals with the darker on top, lighter on bottom, mm-hmm. probably the same kind of thing, but the the top color, I would think, would maybe be more of a brown color, mm. green color to kind of, I guess, blend in with the ground. Yeah, right? you could do some counter coloration there. And then the bottom would be like a light blue Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be really pretty. The bottom of it could kind of look like, like a passing cloud or something. If mm-hmm. you wanted to have an evolutionary line for it, uh, its pre-evolution could be a flying fish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But like actually yes. flying. <laughs> uh, a fish in the water that, like it's like a real flying fish that is just aspiring to one day be permanently in oh, the air. Oh, yeah. And then it makes it. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't come back down. Well... <laughs> Until it does, I suppose. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. <laughs> I like that. You, I was trying to think of like something you could call it that would be a pun of like whale shark, but mm-hmm. air. It would be like were shark. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's anything. Whale cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that's really pretty, though. Mm-hmm. I love that idea because... You know I love a good whale shark. Yes, same as A lot of times in these games, in the Pokemon games, their solution to like something akin to fast travel. Mm-hmm. In the more recent games, so in, in older games, you would have to teach the fly move to a Pokemon on your party, and your own Pokemon that you have would fly you around from place to place. But that got a little annoying because you had to, first of all, have that Pokemon with you. And also it had to know that move, which took up a slot in its move slots. It could only learn four. Right. So it's really annoying. In later games, they've now implemented this fast travel system that, like, it's explained as being, like, some sort of taxi-like Pokemon oh, that yeah. picks you up and brings you from place to place. So I think in, the, in Scarlet and Violet, it was... What's that little bird that has like the greaser hair? I don't remember what it's called. It has like a yeah. pompadour. It's a, an obnoxious looking little bird thing. In previous games, it's been like a Corviknight, I think, mm. that like flew you around from place to place. So, uh, but this would be a great like air taxi That's Pokemon. <laughs> so, you're, uh, the fast travel in that game could be this like whale shark thing taking you from place to place. Although, I guess, uh, I mean, maybe. It'd have to be pretty big though. For the the lighter than air stuff to to still work with, you know, Mm -hmm. a person on there. And then I would imagine that people 
would probably try to take advantage of it by like strapping stuff to it mm. and, you know trying to use it for their own purposes which i mean if you then try to like load it with stuff then it's not going to float anymore so it probably doesn't do well in thunderstorms oh with high winds so maybe culturally the people that live near them will know a thunderstorm is approaching when all the the, the cloud whales oh, disappear yeah. when they or when they when they come <laughs> down to the ground maybe yeah yeah that would be interesting mm-hmm. so if that sounded good to you and you want to hear more head over to maximumfun.org/join and sign up uh at any level you'll get access to that all right next one is for you babe okay lee writes to us hi my name's lee and i've been listening to just the zoo of us religiously for the past 2 years I wanted to use this opportunity to thank you. I've always had a passion for animals, but your podcast gave me the final push to pursue a career in zoology, specifically entomology and conservation, and I've recently been accepted into a zoology course. I could not be happier to start this journey, and I wanted you to know that it wouldn't have been possible without your podcast. Thank you so much. I love this. That is awesome. Yeah, this kind of goes back to like being really excited that people are doing important needed work in the world as kind of well yes that underlying passion i'm sure had always been there sometimes you need something to bring you back in Mm -hmm. i think a lot of us kind of have a passion for animals when we're kids and then fall out of it as you get older because i think it's not necessarily an interest that is catered to in adults true yeah so you can kind of like it's easy to fall out of it because it is like not necessarily framed as something that adults tend to be incredibly interested in Mm -hmm. but we are yeah Entomology is bugs. bugs. Okay. Yeah, not, that's the bug one. Not walking, talking trees. Got it. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you knew what it was. You were setting up a joke. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, I. you know, I, I think that a lot of people, uh, and especially like having guests and experts on the show who come on to share their passion and work with animals as adults, I think can help a lot of people reconnect with like a love for animals that had maybe been dormant for a while. Yeah. Like you can get brought back into it and be like, oh yeah, this is something that like we're out here doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, the, we're the zoo books for adults. That's it. That's this podcast. That's what it is. <laughs> we should make that our slogan, zoo books for adults. Probably not though, because of because of the copyright thing. <laughs> yeah, that's probably important. So yeah, thank you, Lee, for sending that in. Uh, next question comes from Sophie Benison. And Sophie says, I've been listening to your podcast ever since the beginning of the pandemic when my mom found me some animal podcasts to listen to while quarantined. Since I'm also nuts about the Muppets, do you and Christian have a favorite character? It's kind of off topic, but animal definitely ties in. I think that's a reference to the Muppet named Animal. Yes, the the drummer. That's all I know about that character. Oh, okay. That in, that explains why Sophie included oh, a drum yes, emoji yes. in that. It's all yeah. coming together. He goes kind of ham on it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, I think this reveals a little bit about our relationship to the Muppets, which I would describe as extremely casual. Sure. I was a Sesame Street kid. Uh, growing up and so the Muppets were always kind of like around that they were kind of like tangential but I did watch the Muppets movie as a kid Mm. and I liked it that was my first exposure to that song that's like celebrate good times come on you know that song that was the first time I ever heard it and so Every time I've ever heard that song in my entire life, which has been like two million times, I always think of the Muppets movie. Awesome. Were you a, were you a Muppets kid? Not particularly. Uh, just kind of 
sporadically exposed to it. Right. Like, it's always just kind of around, right? Yeah. Because I guess early childhood television that I remember was mostly things like Blue's Clues. PBS uh, Kid. Yeah. Yeah, it was a PBS Kid. Yeah. But also didn't get too deep into Sesame Street either. Oh, I did. I was for sure waist deep in Sesame Street. Yeah. (laughs) But I do have a favorite Muppet. Do you have a favorite Muppet? Yes. Technically a pair, but yes. Okay. You go first. Sure. Uh, So I did have to look up what their names are. But their names are Statler and Waldorf. Who are these? These are the crotchety old Muppets. Really? That heckle people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Oh, okay. I know. They're basically doing a roast every episode. They're like the ones that are like off in the rafters. Yeah. So they're depicted as being like in balcony seats of like a theater or something. And they're like heckling. Yes, like the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's that was such a brilliant move to write them in like that because it's basically like preemptively calling out haters. <laughs> yeah, they, right? they beat you to the punchline. This is an anti-hater deterrent. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a tactic that has also been used by Teen Titans Go. I believe. Ah, yes. Like if you put sort of like an avatar for your haters mm-hmm. in there, then you can kind of like preemptively get one over on sure on detractors. <laughs> brilliant move. Yeah. Very pun heavy also, as I believe. Mm. So that I think that says a lot about you. <laughs> uh, you want to know who my favorite Muppet is? Who? Gonzo. The blue one. Yeah. Okay. Gonzo. Queer icon. Is he now? Yes. Oh. Uh, Gonzo uh, has long been beloved for his sort of esoteric and absurdist style. Oh. Yeah. Does a lot of really wacky stuff. And, and also more recently in Muppet Babies. Oh. Do you remember this episode where Gonzo dressed as Gonzorella? Do you no, remember this episode? I don't, I don't remember this is this. a really recent episode, and I actually saw it on, on TV okay. when it happened. So basically, there's this episode of Muppet Babies where uh, there's like a ball. It's set up like an analogy for like the Cinderella sort okay. of narrative. And Gonzo goes to the ball dressed in a ball gown and goes as Gonzarella. And everybody like doesn't really know that it's Gonzo, but everyone's like, who is this beautiful princess? And at the end, then Gonzo tells everybody that it was really him all along. And everybody is very kind and affirming and accepting of Gonzarella. How nice. Uh, Yeah, which I think was just kind of like a nod to like Gonzo's sort of popularity among queer viewers. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So big fan love gonzo now the muppets are currently a disney ip right yes have they always been i wouldn't know okay i'm not that familiar with the muppets history but but we did see a muppets show in disney world and it seemed like there was a whole area like a a muppets like part of disney world yeah that looked like it had always meant to be that no i think there was something else there oh really like in the it was like the the colonial era oh, type yeah. place but i think there was something else there but mm. no current was well when we were there at least was yeah. a muppets thing that's a good move i think maybe yes. <laughs> <laughs> you think they were like hmm, public opinion on the colonial vibe has really soured maybe let's <laughs> do a whole muppets thing instead right uh, yeah that was that is a cute little area we saw a little muppets like 3d movie i think yeah we like we were it was like a oh, 40 i guess because there's like you know spray and stuff oh and yeah it was very yeah. silly yes well with oh and they had the 3d glasses toddler and, hated it <laughs> he was like one <laughs> <laughs> isaac loved it though yeah. my older son loved it yeah so yeah that is my favorite muppet it's gonzo cool yeah 
Good question. Thank you, Sophie. Mm -hmm. You want to do the next one? Yes. It's from Amanda. Yes. And she writes, if you were D&D characters, what would your race and class be? I would be a multi-class bard ranger. Mm -hmm. I think naturally. (laughs) And I'm imagining a bard ranger where I would be like a forest guide, but also like a very musical and animated like i'm imagining like if you were going on a very kitschy touristy tour of the forest i would be like i'm thinking like disney world kind of like very tour guide that like sings a lot of songs and makes silly jokes and stuff okay and being a floridian i think i would be a panther themed tabaxi ah i like that yeah that's a free (laughs) idea you can just use that if you want that's awesome what would you be uh, I would think the Artificer class, which mm. was more recently released. Yeah, I could see that. The yeah. tech guy class. The tinkerer, yeah. <laughs> you are a tinkerer through and through. <laughs> if there's one thing about Christian Weatherford is that he's going to tinker. <laughs> <laughs> Time permitting. <laughs> uh, and then I guess as far as race goes, um, how about Goliath? What on earth? <laughs> is that a real 5e Yeah, uh, it's one of the more supplemental type options. It's, okay. It's not like in the base one. It's b- big, big, tall, strong. 5e Goliath. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Very large. It's a big guy. <laughs> sure is. It's, it's giving Kratos. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Are um, you just basing that purely off the fact that you're tall? Just big. Big guy? And I think it's an interesting combination with the artificer. Because often the, the Goliath... Race is often used with the more martial classes, mm. particularly um, barbarian. That is perpendicular to your personality as a person, though. Right. So you're taking a different spin on it. <laughs> I see. Okay. For those of you who've never met Christian in real life or seen a picture of him to scale, uh, Christian is quite tall. Yeah. You're a very tall guy. <laughs> and Amanda also asked, did either of you have a favorite animal growing up? And is it different from your answer now? It was always tigers for me. I was for sure always a tiger kid and now if i'm being completely honest it's probably still tigers okay i would love to have like a more interesting (laughs) and like obscure answer than that (laughs) but i still just get so excited about tigers Mm -hmm. i have tiger art on the walls tiger sculpture i have a bunch of tiger stuff basically Mm -hmm. um if there is merch available that has a tiger on it i'm probably gonna get it but competition is more stiff now um there are other animals that i think uh, are giving it a run for its money. Sure. Now yeah. more than when I was a kid. Right. It was more securely in first place. Mm-hmm. Now there's some competition. <laughs> what about you? Uh, sharks. Yeah, you're yeah. a shark kid. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I know that's you know, a much larger category. <laughs> sure. But uh, but as a kid, the number of sharks you know about is probably like not that many. It was impressive. Oh, you were one of those shark kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have a favorite of them? Uh, let's see. At the time... Probably the Mako shark. It's a fast one, right? Yeah. They're real quick, mm-hmm. zipping and zooming around. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit later in life that I started learning about the whale shark in depth. Mm. So That's a great one. Yeah. So you're still a shark guy. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Some things never change. Heart is in the sea. That's true. <laughs> uh, do you want to read the next part of yes. Amanda's message? My job requires me to work outside, and most of the day is spent by myself. To help pass the time, a good portion of my day is spent listening to podcasts while working. 
I started listening to you guys back when you joined the Maximum Fun Network in 2021, where I then proceeded to blast through every (laughs) single episode that was released within three to four months or so. Whenever I find a new podcast I like a lot, this tends to happen. I have no self-control. Relatable. I've done that exact thing (laughs) many times. The energy that you both provide in your shared episodes are absolutely fantastic. Mm. I love when hosts are able to joke and have fun with each other during a podcast, but you always come back to get well-sourced info and fun facts of your animal that week. The guest expert episodes are always stellar with each new person you bring on. They not only provide fantastic information for learning about each animal, but also provide personal stories of how the critters impacted their life in a variety of ways. It helps to remove that no-nonsense scientist stereotype, when in reality, all we are is a bunch of goofballs who can get excited over some cool little dudes. (laughs) So true. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that a lot of that is because, like, the type of guests that I usually reach out to and and hear from, and, like, the guests that I typically connect with and have on the show tend to be, you know, the people I just enjoy talking to, Mm -hmm. right? So they're going to probably be funny and and silly and approachable and kind it definitely has given me a lot more perspective on like what the actual people doing the science looks like Mm because if all you're looking at is the end result all you're looking at is like the papers that get published basically you might have a perception of scientists as being very dry and very like Amanda said, no nonsense. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense yeah. <laughs> going on there. <laughs> They're a silly crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there are individuals out there that are no nonsense, but sure, yeah. There's many of you'll you'll have that as well. But you know, a lot of people that we have on tend to be young. They tend to be early in their career, you know, or or from a you know an adjacent career that's not necessarily an academic career, but maybe have some other sort of background with animals. And so I I just think it's a good way to showcase the diversity of people that like work in nature or work with animals or something like that. You know, a good rule of thumb is to have fun with it. Yes. Whatever it is. Yes. You know, it's always going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And then Amanda concludes with, this is such a fun and wholesome show. It's my go-to recommendation for friends who love animals, families, or just people looking for a new podcast. You guys keep up the fantastic work. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. I love that. I have to wonder. I know that, like, in general, people who turn on our podcast are probably people who already love animals and are more inclined to listen to it. But I have to hope that there's people out there who listen who didn't necessarily come from a love of animals. Mm. There's at least one of you out there, I'm sure. (laughs) And if that's you, thank you. I appreciate you. Yes. (laughs) The next message is from Michaela Long. I'm Michaela Long, and I am studying animal ecology at the Sunshine Coast in Australia. I moved to the coast from the bush originally to study secondary teaching, but a random science class reignited my long-term passion for animals. I was on the bus to Hervey Bay for an overnight field trip last semester where we were going whale watching, so I decided to give your podcast a try, and I listened to episode 109, Philippine Eagle and Humpback Whale. That was a, that was a good one. Good. Mm-hmm. That was a banger. <laughs> and loved it. Now, I've listened to every single episode, and I regularly replay my favorites. You guys are my comfort podcast and i love how you explain everything in a really understandable way honestly listening to the podcast every week has definitely helped with my degree let's just say ellen's ratite explanation has stuck with me more than my tutor's one has one day i was listening to the mexican mole lizard episode while walking to my terrestrial invertebrate prac exam and paused it and went into my exam 
During the exam, I forgot the word for when a lizard loses its tail, and I just had to write that rather than the scientific word. I leave the class, put my headphones back in, and now five seconds goes by in the podcast <laughs> before Christian says, caudal autotomy, and I will never forget it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry that we just barely missed helping you on your exam. So close. I know. <laughs> uh, Michaela says, also, I discovered Louis Zong through you guys, and now my friend and I absolutely love his music and play it all the time. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. Same. Yeah, pretty much any For You playlist that Spotify spits out for me <laughs> includes Louis. He always works his way on there. <laughs> they always know. I, I really appreciated that, especially being in Australia. That's so far away. I feel like my our, our words and our thoughts and our opinions have traveled all the way over the all the way across the world. And mm-hmm. That's very exciting to me. Uh, I'm glad to hear from listeners in in different parts of the world. And I feel like Florida and Australia are energetically linked. It's just <laughs> just such similar vibes, you know. I feel like there's a I feel a kinship. Uh, similar vibes in the best ways, I will say. Yeah. I, th- I should probably specify that. <laughs> I'm sure people in Australia are like, don't put that on us. <laughs> Callie Souther in Seattle says, it has become nearly impossible for me to unload the dishwasher without listening to your podcast. Mm. In you, I find a kindred spirit of delight in critters and the world around us. Callie also included a mention of um, an animal that I might talk about on a future episode, so I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. But yes, unloading the dishwasher with one earphone in and listening to podcast is my nightly ritual. I do that. <laughs> I'm, I, I, it's me too. I'm also <laughs> listening to podcasts while uh, doing the dishes. So that's an extremely relatable experience. I'm glad I, I'm glad I can be that for you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this last message is from Ellis, uh, they, them. And Ellis says, I wanted to write in to say that just the zoo of us has been a delight for me on multiple levels. Not only do I appreciate the show's enthusiastic and approachable presentation, I can't read scientific papers. I just can't. Same, same, <laughs> same, Ellis. Scientific papers are the bane of my existence. But <laughs> I've gotten real good at skimming them. I've gotten so good at just like getting what I need from it and bailing. <laughs> like, that's good. We're done here. <laughs> Ellis continues, but it's also been a treat to listen to during the long weekly drives into town my mother and I take to get groceries. I was recently diagnosed with autism at 33, and the past year or so has been really difficult for me. Getting to share one of my special interests with my mom via Just the Zoo of Us has been a bright light and a dark time. Thank you both so much for everything you do, and best of luck going forward. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, like getting to share something that you're passionate Are you familiar with the phrase special interest as it pertains to autism specifically? I don't think so. Often there will be one particular topic oh, okay. that a person will have a, a very, very passionate interest in and develop like an encyclopedic knowledge about. Yes. Um, okay. You know, this can be a wide variety yeah, of subjects. Yeah. I'm familiar uh, with the concept, but I guess not the terminology. Special interest, I think, is, okay. a, is a common one that I've seen people use. And a lot of people that have been guests on our show have been guests on our show because animals are their special interest. And this is kind of an excuse for people to come on an info dump and be like, hey, you want me to tell you everything in my brain about the topic that is my main passion in life? I think a lot of people get a lot of joy from that. Yeah. I enjoy that. I like it when people get to, you know, unload the contents of their brain. And I think that uh, it helps to not only get to like learn about it, but also feel like, oh, this person also loves this thing I love. And you feel a little bit validated and supported in that. Right. Yeah. 
so that's it. That is what y'all wanted to share with us. And I'm so glad you did because while this, this podcast is, is very joyful for, for me to make, and I'm proud of the work that we do and I'm happy with what we make. Like if it wasn't for people listening, probably wouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) If people, if I, if I didn't have people, you know, responding to it, it it feels weird to, to broadcast and, and get nothing back from it. Right. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. uh, having people respond and tell me that the work means something to them and that it's impacting your life or making your, even if it's just making your dishwashing experience a little better, uh, that is basically why we make the show. So I'm very happy to hear from everybody. Likewise. Also, like, I basically get to interact firsthand with all of the people surrounding the show, like people that listen to it and have connected. And I, it's funny because while I'm, I feel like I'm forming friendships, you know, with the people that listen to the show and have come to seek out uh, our presence through listening to the show. I'm also watching other people form friendships with each other, mm-hmm. you know, through like being in the sort of virtual spaces that we've created and the vibe that I think we've set out there of it's a it's a vibe of like kindness and curiosity and enthusiasm that i think just draws in an archetype of a wonderful person yes (laughs) (laughs) so i'm 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 really happy with you know the community that we've that that we've seen develop around the podcast and y'all make the show what it is Mm -hmm, like like a lot of times y'all tell us stuff that we didn't know and like we're able to bring in like updates and and follow-ups and and more perspective because the people that listen to the show like reach out and are like hey i have this experience with this thing um, and then we're able to make the show better for it. Yeah. Like last week, Ivan Kwan from our Discord showed us that thylacine paper mm-hmm. that I was then able to to swiftly edit into the episode to make sure that, uh, you know, everything we've got in there is as accurate as we can make it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good show because of y'all. So for thank sure. You. Member supported. Yes, it is a, a member supported show. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a big part of making the show, like a big thing that's important to us is making sure that the show is accessible to as many people as possible. So that if you have, you know, access to the internet and a browser, at least, you know, you could listen to the show as low barrier as possible. Um, and we're able to do that because of support from members. Everybody benefits from it because of the support from the people who can swing it. Yeah. For sure. So if that is you and you're interested in, you know, being a part of making the show happen, or if you're interested in any of the material gifts that will be bestowed upon you as thanks for your support, then head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and uh, get involved. And let us know if you do so we can say thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to, you know, personally thank you if, if you do. So, you know, please let us know about that so that we can say hi and thank you to many more wonderful years of making this podcast. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, y'all. See you next week. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.